Are you ready to get into the Word? We're going to look at, obviously, Christmas, but from Luke's perspective in chapter 1, just a few things there, and then something in Matthew chapter 2 with the wise men. So Luke chapter 1, and here it is dramatized for us. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. In verse 34, Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? She was a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Can you say the Holy Spirit? And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Can you say the highest? That Holy One who's to be born will be called the Son of God. Can you say the Holy One? So there we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father as the highest, Holy Spirit as Holy Spirit, Son as the Holy One. Eternally existing as the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. In the beginning, God, the highest, created the heavens and the earth. And the Spirit, there's the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the face of the waters. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, there's the Word, let there be light. And there was light. So the entrance of God's Word brings light. Since this James Webb telescope has come into being, they're finding out the universe has way more light in it 
than should be. It's true. I can send you a link. There's more light. So their explanation is there must be dark matter that emanates light. Well, Genesis 1 has the explanation. Light was created first on the first day. And then on another day, the stars were created. And the earth preexisted them all. That'll really mess with the science books. So, Father, Word, Holy Spirit. Word becomes flesh, James 1.14. The incarnation. So Mary hears the word, she believes the word, the Holy Spirit overshadows her, the power of the highest comes upon her, and the Son of God comes into the world. And then the angel tells her that her relative, Elizabeth, in her aging years, is now going to have a baby. And her baby would be Jesus' cousin, six months older than Jesus, who grew up to be John the Baptist. And he says in verse 37... For with God, nothing will be impossible. Now, I look closely at this. The word nothing is two words. One word meaning no, and the other word meaning thing or word. The word for thing there is the word rhema. That ring a bell? The Greek word for word is logos, which speaks of word in general or of language. All of words is logos. Laleo is to speak. But rhema is more specific. We are saved by faith through grace, right? And that faith comes when we hear the word, the rhema of God. When we hear the specific word, faith dawns on our heart. When we hear the promise of the gospel and believe it, there's faith that is born. The sword of the Spirit that we have is the Word of God that's living and powerful and more sharp than any two-edged sword. That word there, used there in Hebrews, is the word rhema. So what he was telling her is no rhema will be impossible. Well, I thought, how come... All the translations pronounce it as nothing. Maybe I'm not knowledgeable of Greek enough. Well, apparently some other translators see this also. The American Standard Version translated as, for no word from God shall be void of power. The Hebrew Names Version and the World English Bible translated as, for no word from God will be void of power. Shall be or will be. The NIV, can you believe this? For no word from God will ever fail. The NLT, New Living Translation, for the word of God will never fail. These are how translators are viewing this verse. The Dewey Rhymes Translation, which is a Catholic Bible, says, because no word shall be impossible with God. The Weymouth New Testament translates it as, for no promise from God will be impossible of fulfillment. And the Wycliffe Bible says, for every word 
shall not be impossible with God. So when God says it to you, you can take it to the bank. So the teaching of Rhema is powerful. Maybe you've been hurt by the teaching of Rhema. You were promised something and it didn't come to pass. Somebody died or something like that and you were banking on your prayer being answered because of the rhema. You had built a case of favorite scriptures to get God to do what you wanted. But remember, this is a specific word from God to a specific person for a specific time. All right? In Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24, it says, Have faith in God. For whoever says to this mountain and shall not doubt in his heart, but speaks to the mountain, tells it to be cast into the sea, he shall have whatever he says if he prays in his heart and forgives those that he's had ought against. So people have read that and they've chosen their mountains. The context of that verse was Jesus was speaking to a specific mountain which was in eyesight. It was a man-made mountain. And he said, have faith in God. If you have faith, you can speak to this mountain. Verse 22 of Mark 11 says, have faith in God. So people have taken that and interpreted it to mean have the God kind of faith. Like we can imitate God. We're supposed to be godly, but we can't speak light into existence. You can't speak planets into existence. We're kind of kicking out a sacred cow today, I guess. It's not the God kind of faith. It's the faith that comes from God. It's God's faith. Literally, you could translate it, have faith from God. Faith comes from God. Faith comes from God. The, the uh, life that we now live, we live by the faith of the Son of God. Faith, saving faith, is a gift from God. By grace are you saved through faith that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So it's a fruit of the Spirit. And faith is also a gift of the Spirit. Can we all say God? He's a source of faith. So this Christmas is a celebration of the word that God has spoken to you. And the word spoken to the world is the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us, the only begotten of the Father. All right. Lord, may you apply that word to whoever needs it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you today on Christmas blessings. Christmas blessings. Christmas is about gift giving. The wise men gave gifts. We give gifts. Jesus gave himself. He was a gift. The Father gave the gift. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. These gifts were all blessings. I just want to look at it from four viewpoints right quick, these blessings. Mary was blessed to receive the favor of God. When the angel approached her, he said, rejoice highly favored one. He basically said, be of good cheer. It's a word related to grace. And highly favored one is karitao, 
You're highly graced, one. The same thing's said to us in one of Paul's letters, that we have been uh, made beloved. In the beloved, we've been chosen. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, there are some denominations, uh, not very many, thank the Lord, but they're very big ones, that have turned this into a prayer, and they pray to Mary all the time. Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Rejoice, highly favored one. That's taking a word from an angel, and it was to Mary from the angel, not from us, right? It's all about Jesus. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor. She was chosen to do a scary thing. Well, how's Joseph going to react? Well, we looked last week at the angelic visitation paid to him. You have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall cause, call his name Jesus. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. The word she used there was rhema. With God, no rhema will be impossible. Let it be unto me according to your rhema. You see the correlation between her and the angel. So she received, she asked her question. She wasn't skeptical like Zachariah had been in his conversation with the same angel and got struck dumb in the process. In this case, she is blessed, and it happened just like the Lord had told her. And her attitude was, be it unto me according to your word. You want to apply this story to your life? Approach the word of God like this. Lord, let your word be true in my life to me. It's about the word's impact in our life, not to others. It's in us. As he changes us, prayer changes us, then it changes things. You see that? Blessed is she who believed is how um, the story ends in verse 45. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So she was blessed by believing. You see that? So it starts by believing and receiving. Believing isn't just mental assent, but it's applying what you've heard to your heart. Second point, his people, God's people, were soon to be blessed to receive his favor. They were blessed to be able to receive his favor. In the angel's visitation to Joseph, he gave this prophecy, she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Who's been saved from their sins? That's the fulfillment of the prophecy of the angel visiting Joseph. In John 1.11, it says that Jesus came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. And what is his name? It's a prayer. It's a truth. It's a message. It's a prophecy. 
It's Jesus or Joshua or Yeshua, depending on the language you're coming from, which means Yahweh or Jehovah saves. The Lord saves. That's a word. That's the word you can name and claim, blab and grab. It works. He saves. And we too can be blessed by believing in Christ. Who's been blessed by believing in him? John 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, for God so loved the world, Merry Christmas, y'all, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So we're blessed by believing in Christ. And sometimes at Christmas, we stop there. Oh, Christmas blessings, where sins are forgiven and we're going to heaven. Man, he's about so much more than just, just me and you. He's about kingdoms of this world. He's about the universe. Merry cosmic Christmas, y'all. Merry atomic Christmas. This is what he told Mary about her son that she was going to conceive. Verse 32 of Luke 1, he will be great and will be called the son of the highest, the son of the father. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So Christmas ultimately is about the entrance of God's kingdom into the world that began with the incarnation. It actually began with the plan of God, for Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, but the plan was initiated in Bethlehem on that first day that we now celebrate. And he ultimately is going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. David was promised, and Solomon was promised, a kingdom that would never end. And yet those guys died. And eventually the kingdom was removed from their descendants. In fact, it split under Solomon's son. We talked about that last week. So this promise is still there. God's word does not return void. Who knows, his word does not depend upon the length of our lifetime to fulfill what it promises. So every promise isn't to be within your lifetime. For those of you that have claimed to be alive during the rapture, I don't have Bible for that, but I do have Bible for this. The dead in Christ will rise first, and those of us who are alive and remain, whoever that is, will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. There's the rhema for you. If you're alive, you're going to be caught up. If you're not, you're going to be caught up first. That's the truth. Well, God promised me. Okay, I've seen plenty of people at funerals that had believed that. Make sure the Lord promised you and have, <laughs> have the heart for the kingdom. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. Right? So if he delays his coming in our eyes, to him 2,000 years is nothing. 
A day with the Lord, Peter said, is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So what's the ratio for that? It's one to 365,250 days is like one day to the Lord. What's that in seconds? 365,250 seconds. We're taking in the leap year. Well, how long is that? It's a little over four days. So four days plus to us is like one second to God. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. Say that 92 times and you've a year with God. I mean, he's just so awesome. And think of it like this. Really rattling some folks today. You're not going to die. Your body is. Right? If we're sleeping in Jesus or if we have escaped the bondage of time... We're present with the Lord either way, right? But on this side, we're dead. But on that side, we're alive. Jesus said, he who believes in me shall never die. Yet physically, these bodies get old. They have to be replaced. We'll be persecuted. In the world, you'll suffer tribulation. You've got to take everything into account of the whole truth of God. There used to be a couple in town that believed the never die doctrine. As long as you never sin, you'll never die. And they got older and older and older. And I guess they sinned because they died. <laughs> the kingdom is what is never going to die. And your citizenship in the kingdom will never die. Amen. And the increase of his kingdom is never going to die. And one day he is coming back and kicking butt. Oh, yeah. In the meantime, we're doing our part, walking in faithfulness. I love this Christmas prophecy. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, 6, verse 7, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You reckon this is a rhema for the world? No rhema from God will fail. It will come to pass. Now, the world loves Christmas, loves Christmas prophets, P-R-O. F-I-T-S, but not so much the Christmas prophets, P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S. But they're hooked. They can't get away. Christ was born, and they'll celebrate it every year, and they can try to contaminate it with all the cute little kids' stories and romance novels and everything else. The truth remains, none of that would happen were it not for the Son of God coming into the world. It is what it is. Deal with it. So, here's a question for us. Did you know the true meaning of Christmas? Every year it comes around and I find out more about it. Today, I couldn't get my mind off these guys, the wise men. Why is there seven in the picture? Weren't there just three? No, that's the song. There was three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There could have been seven or more wise men from the East. Why were they interested in going to Bethlehem? 
whether we're interested in looking for he who was born king of the Jews. Why would that interest them? I mean, you ever think about it? Well, they were astrologers. And you can preach the gospel from astrology. I, I really can't do it, but I've heard it done. It's amazing. If they understood that, that will blow your mind. It's a, but I think it was more than that. I think it goes to Daniel. Open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. Last Sunday, we talked about a wicked king of Judah named Ahaz who did some wicked things to make peace with Assyria. Assyria conquered the northern kingdom of Ephraim, and he kind of left Judah alone because he's getting kickback from them, right? Well, a hundred years after him, Babylon comes along and takes him over and hauls their youth off to other places. And every time there was an uprising, they'd come in and haul off more youth. If people came to take your kids away, you'd probably calm down, wouldn't you? And so some of those youth were taken directly to Babylon. They were castrated and made servants in the, in the King Nebuchadnezzar's court. And four of these eunuchs were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, famously known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But their Hebrew names were Mishael, Azariah, and Hananiah. And Daniel's Hebrew name was Daniel. His Babylonian name was Belteshazzar. So during their early days there, they were part of the community of wise men, learning astrology, learning art, learning all kinds of things to serve in the king's court, to be counselors to him from their education and all that. And the king had a dream that greatly troubled him. So he called in his lead wise men and says, I need for you to interpret my dream. And they said, okay, tell us the dream. He said, uh, 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 uh. you have to tell me the dream. No one can do that. Well, then you're going to be cut asunder. Well, that's impossible. Either you tell me the dream and the interpretation, because you can make up something, right, from a dream. And so... Uh, he said, okay, y'all are dead. And so he sent out a force, a squadron, as it were, door to door, killing wise men. And they showed up at Daniel's house, verse 14 of Daniel 2. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch. He was the captain of the king's guard that was killing these guys who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is a decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel, verse 16. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time. So he said, let me go see the king. So he goes to Nebuchadnezzar and says, I need some time and I can get you an answer. Then he went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from God of heaven concerning this decree so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So don't you know they had a prayer meeting? They prayed. And then God answered and let Daniel know what the dream was. And he went in, said, King, I've got it. Here's the dream. You had a dream of, a, of an image. Had a head of gold. Had chest and arms of silver had a belly and legs of bronze, and had feet of iron. 
toes, mixture of iron and clay, okay? And so he said, that's it. Daniel said, a rock made without hands, cut out of a mountain, hit that image in the feet and turned the whole thing into powder. The king got so excited, he promoted Daniel, gave him a raise, I guess, and uh, made him the chief wise man, leader of all the wise men. So now he could be an influence. So if Daniel had his hands on a Torah, if he was a Torah keeper, he would know about Balaam's prophecies in Numbers 22 through 24, I think. In these prophecies, see, Balak, king of the Moabites, wanted Balaam, a prophet, to prophesy bad things, because apparently everything Balaam said came to pass. So he paid him to come see him. That's a weird story in itself. Speak bad things over these Israelites that are coming this way. And he couldn't do it. Every time he opened his mouth, he would say good things about them. In the midst of those prophecies, he said, I see him, but not now. So this was future. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth from Jacob. A scepter shall rise from Israel and shall crush through the forehead of Moab and tear down all the sons of Sheth, or tumult. So when they came to Jerusalem and asked Herod, where is he who is born, born king of the Jews, or we have seen his star in the east? Surely what they were looking for was a whole lot more than just astrology and astronomy. It had to do with this promise from God. A star shall come forth from Jacob, and a scepter, that's a kingly instrument, shall rise from Israel. They were looking for king of the Jews. This is Jesus, who will crush his enemies, because his kingdom will never end. In his explanation of the dream to King Nebuchadnezzar, he said this, and in the days of those kings, what's that? Where the rock hit first. That's the iron and clay. That's the day in which we live. You could point to the EU. You could point to, the, to any number of worldly things, trying to unite, unite things to make things better. Iron and clay, it's strong, but it's weak. They can't pull it off. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be brought to ruin. And the kingdom itself will not be passed on to any other people. It's not like David passed on his kingdom to Solomon and Solomon passed on his kingdom to Rehoboam. It's not a generational thing. This kingdom is going to be one king forever. And it, what's it? The kingdom will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, and it itself will stand to times indefinite. For as much as you behold that out of the mountain a stone was cut, not by hands, that it crushed the iron, the copper, the bronze, the molded clay, the silver, and the gold. The grand God himself has made known to the king what is to occur after this. 
and the dream is reliable, and the interpretation of it is trustworthy. Merry Atomic Christmas. When Christ was born, the Lamb of God, he was born in a stable where lambs are born. He is called the chief cornerstone. He's the stone for a foundation. He's the keystone. He's the headstone. He's the capstone. And he said, on this stone, I will build my church. And Peter said, we are living stones being built into a house. It's significant that this son of God who was born as the stone not made with hands, that's a virgin birth, was laid in a stone feeding trough where when lambs are born are laid to inspect them to make sure they're perfect and suitable for Passover sacrifice. So there's the stone laid in stone who's going to one day ultimately do all this. And in the day of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. He's going to do it. We can't pull this off. We can make things worse. You know, it's hard to shovel junk without getting it on you. Who knows what I mean? Christmas blessings. I end with this, the lyrics of Mary Did You Know, written by Mark Lowry, who was a singer with the Gaither Band at the time this happened, and Buddy Green, who was a musician with the Gaither Band. is a world-renowned harmonica player, award-winning guy. They wrote this song. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? The child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Now, it's a big denomination hates this song because they want to believe Mary didn't need to be delivered. Uh, hello? Hello? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. Now, feminists don't like this song. They say it is mansplaining, like Mary's ignorant. It's not putting Mary down. It's honoring Mary. Mary's a metaphor in the song anyway. Do we know these things? She's the most honored woman that ever lived. It doesn't dishonor her. So one of them has rewritten a version, completely pretty much took Jesus out of the picture. And they sing it at Christmas, and they say it gives them chills. Let me tell you, chills will take you straight to hell. <laughs> they will. I appreciate experiencing the presence of God when, the, when you feel the Lord is awesome. When I worship with that online live service in New York City in the French language with a bunch of Africans, I felt chills. But that is not equated with God. Enjoy them when they come, but when they don't come, we live by principles and not by feelings. 
The blind will see. This is the bridge, the chorus. The deaf will hear. The dead will live again. The lame will leap. The dumb will speak. The praises of the Lamb. So Mary, who was approached in today's text, had no idea how favored she was. <laughs> the final verse is, Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? That sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Mary, did you know? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that your word would come alive, that we would live in light of your present and coming kingdom. And Lord, may the authority of your kingdom increase in our lives more and more. Bring us to a fresh, fresh level of surrender to you in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Elias Garcia.
Mary, did you know? If you're a feminist here, I hope I didn't offend you. I am pro-woman. Let me tell you, I believe in girl power. My daughter's, my daughter's a doctor. But it's Christmas. It's not Merrymas. Well, it is Merry Christmas, right? Merry Atomic Cosmic Christmas, International World Christmas. The kingdoms of this world will one day be the kingdoms of our God. But right now, the kingdom in my life is the kingdom of God. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Go get him, tigers. God bless you.